Blog Talk Radio. Christmas in 2015, so uh, as we embark on this holiday season, hope everyone has a great holiday season, and drink every time I say holiday season. Um, so you've tuned into the best in pro wrestling talk. we got a lot to get into tonight. you got to go over. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. We have uh, discussions over there. we got a show chat going on right now. Always have subjects up there. Posted, and we're going to get into it. Of course, we're going to get into it. But lots of great opinions up on the Facebook as far as the the CM Punk Colt Cabana interview. Um, want to go check out that thread? And you know what? Call us. But if you don't, you got a lot to say. You want to put a paragraph up there on the Facebook? By all means, check us out on the Facebook.com/slash The Ken Reedy Show. Twitter, our handle at The Ken Reedy Show. You want to check that out? And you can always go to our website. TheKenReedyShow.com, blogs, uh, bios, pictures, the whole nine on the website. So you want to go over there and check that out. Just to let you guys know, as I said, we're getting into that that end-of-the-year feel. So our year-end show this year is going to be the day after TLC. So we're going to do some awards that day. We're going to give you a recap of the year. So you want to check out our special uh, year-end edition of the Ken Reedy Show. That's going to be it for us in 2014. So uh, check us out the night, the Monday, the night after TLC, and we'll be giving you our year-end show. So without further ado, we got to go out and we got to get my co-host on because we got so we got to dissect and re-dissect and discuss lots to talk about. Dave, how you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm do- I'm doing. Pretty good. There's extensive dissecting and redissecting that needs to be attended to this evening here on the Ken Reedy Show. And if you want to hear some truth out there that some other wrestling podcasts aren't going to 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 inform you, the listeners of regarding this CM Punk podcast, Colt Cabana situation, then you should be tuning in right here, right now to us because I'm going to speak some truth. 
I'm not going to bullshit any of you on my thoughts and opinions. So take notes. Class is now in session. Yeah. And and, and I want to let our listeners know, and, and as much as, you know, the show, our show, a lot of times comes off as, as very free-flowing, and it is. Um, you know, we do like to let, the, you know, the show, you know, each show has a life of its own and goes in, in a different direction, and especially when, when uh, Mike Ferrara calls us. We never know what direction we're going to go in. But it might not seem it, but we've discussed before on the show, we do have pre-show uh, phone calls. We discuss things. We outline the show. Um, you know, we make sure we have bullet points and uh, leave leave spaces for time for the show to kind of evolve the way it's going to. Um, and we kind of go over what we both want to discuss. This was a, an instance where um, we decided in, in the pre-show meeting that uh, we weren't going to discuss exactly what we both felt about the CM Punk uh, Colt Cabana podcast, the big interview that, that that's got the internet a buzz. So at this point in time, uh, I have no idea uh, Dave's thoughts, and Dave has no idea my thoughts on the, the podcast. So it's it's intriguing that we're gonna basically we're gonna give our opinions on it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll state some you know thoughts on my thoughts on it. Dave will state his. Uh, both of us will have ample time, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of discuss together. But neither one of us knows what the other one thinks as far as the, the podcast reaction. So as we get into it. Um, you know, I listened to it. Um, I, I, to be honest, I, I, my gut reaction, I wasn't going to. Um, to be honest, I, I'm, I don't know. When it comes to punk, I, I don't really miss him. To be honest, um, and I wasn't going to listen to the podcast. I, I was like, maybe if I can catch bits and pieces, uh, I'll catch it when I can. Uh, but as as I heard the buzz and it was catching fire um, with the with our show. Uh, and to be a well-informed host and to, to do my job as, as effective as, as possible, um, I, I thought I had to give it a listen. I had to, you know, hear what it was all about, hear what the buzz is all about. So I gave it a listen. Um, I've only listened to it once. So uh, there's, there's, you know, I, I'd like to listen to parts again, um, but I've only listened through it once. Um, there's one thing that I'm going to put out there right off the bat that on on some levels it would not shock me, although I wouldn't bet the farm, if in some way, shape, or form this is a work, I do find it interesting, the timing that, uh, you know, this interview came out. Uh, today, Punk, uh, you know, opened his store on Pro Wrestling Tees, and uh, Austin is going to have Vince McMahon on after Raw, and it's been announced that he's going to be discussing, uh, to a certain extent, Punk and Punk's, uh, some of the stuff he said on uh, Cole Cabana's podcast. So I do think it's interesting that, you know, Punk comes out and does his podcast and gets all sorts of attention, and he's opening his Pro Wrestling Tees uh, uh, shop. We're on the other side of things, trying to sell the network, and the first time that Austin's going to be doing his podcast live on the network, Vince is going to be react- reacting to said podcast. So there's, there's a lot of publicity that has happened here as a result of what Punk has said. Uh, that's advantageous to both parties. So it could be in some way, shape, or form a work, but my reaction right now, I'm going to talk as if uh, it was a straightforward shoot. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things with, with Punk that I, I do have a problem with, like, he to me, he comes across at times as a bit of a spoiled brat. 
um, a little bit of a baby. Look, you're a public figure. People are going to criticize you. People are going to have problems with you. You're a public figure, and I'm sorry if you're you know if you're a millionaire, uh, you know, and you're going to put your opinions out there. You got to be willing to accept the fact that people are going to criticize you. I know doing this show, like once I get you know in front of this microphone and I say my feelings, I open myself up to criticism. Some people may love the show. Some people may hate it. Um, once you're in the public forum, um, you're open to criticism, and you're going to have to deal with it. Um, there are certain things that that you know. I get it. I think that CM Punk definitely was banged up uh, towards the end of his tenure. Uh, being banged up probably affected a lot of, of what he was feeling and, and his focus on the product and, and what he wanted to do. Um, I, I think it's intriguing that, to me at least, to a certain extent, CM Punk uh, can't hack it as far as schedule-wise as, as a John Cena can. Um, and, you know, I mean, I get it. All right, so you're banged up. You, you have all these issues. Uh, that obviously, if you're hurting, that's going to affect uh, your performance and what you want to do. Um, I get it. You know, this, these are things that, like, I'm, I'm going to empathize a bit with CM Punk um, when he talked about uh, having to wrestle the part-timers, having to wrestle the Rock, Taker, um, and Brock Lesnar. Um, I, I get it. All right, you know, you have to wrestle the part-timer. You have to put him over, and then you're showing up on Monday night. What do I do with my character on Monday night? Um, I get the frustration there. Uh, what really bothered me was uh, CM Punk, the way he talked about The Undertaker, and I have to get in there with his 45-year-old and, and make the match work. Um, I found that eminently disrespectful to a guy like The Undertaker. It, it struck me, and for you to, to piss and moan about not main eventing WrestleMania, but you got to wrestle The Undertaker at WrestleMania, to me, I, I, that, I had a big problem with that. You know, you... you got to do something that, that millions of wrestlers would give their left arm to do. Uh, so I really had a problem with that. Uh, you know, I want you didn't get to main event WrestleMania. That's a shame. A lot of people don't get to. You know, a guy like Mr. Wonderful probably should have main evented WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan. Um, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for everybody. Uh, you know, for that to be like a, a sticking point over and over again. Again, I, I, I kind of he kind of struck me as a bit whiny, a bit bitter. Um, I personally have a major problem with a millionaire uh, pissing and moaning about how tough his life is. Um, you know, I would. Lo- I am very, 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 and anyone who knows me in real life knows I am very unsatisfied with my job right now. I hate my job, and I wish I had the financial security that I could just go in and say. I'm, I'm not working here anymore. And and for for Punk to kind of say, well, I didn't quit. I was fired. I, I mean, come on. If any one of us, uh, you know, walked into our job and decided we're just not going to show up anymore, um, yeah, we get fired. But, I mean, come on. Stop with the, oh, I didn't quit. I got fired. You stop showing up for work. Um, I mean, it was like the, the semantics that he tried to play there. I was just... I mean, come on, just just stop. Um, it was, I'm, I'm curious the WWE's reaction and Vince's reaction to the health concerns, uh, to the staff infection. Um, I, I found that interesting, and there's part of me that found it hard to believe that it would play out like that, that a doctor would just let this lump sit there um, for, for a prolonged amount of time and not do anything about it. If that's the case, CM Punk definitely has a legit gripe uh, with the doctors of the WWE. I'd be curious to hear what the WWE side 
of that story is um, it, it sounds horrific. Um, you know, and it sounds, you know, the way he said it, life-threatening. Staph infections are nothing to, to play around with. Um, but I'd be really curious to hear uh, if Vince addresses that and Vince addresses, like, how the doctor um, or how CM Punk came to the doctor and how that whole situation unfolded. Um, as far as – and I'm going to just – a couple more points, and then I'm going to let Dave get in because I'm sure Dave is, like, over there, like, chomping at the bit to get his opinions out there. Um, I get, like, being – you know, you – Getting hurt by a fellow performer, um, getting hurt by Ryback, um, you know, having uh, situations with him uh, where matches weren't going so well. I get being bitter. And if anyone's out there who's a pro wrestler who's in the business, um, I would love for you to call um, and and react to this because I'm not in the business and I'm not going to pretend to be a wrestler or understand fully what it's like to be in a locker room. However, the stuff that he said about Ryback, and I get him, like, needing to vent, and, and I get him being pissed off. However, I kind of took it as he's selling out one of the boys. And as he talked about throughout the, the interview, wanting to do things that was best for the boys and wanting to help out the boys financially, I, I, in a public forum to, to sell out, quote, one of the boys, I, 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 didn't, I didn't like it. I, I, I kind of felt like that was something that, you know, should be discussed in a locker room man-to-man. Um, and it just kind of struck me for the locker rooms that I've been in on the indie scene. It, it just kind of bothered me that he would go out to a public forum uh, to, to say that, as opposed to you know keeping that more in house. And and the final thing I have to say, you know, he he went on his soapbox about meeting fans, and you know if you're going to be rude to me, then I'm going to be rude right back. And you know you, you need to talk to me in a certain way, and I'll. You know, nobody showed the, the pictures I took with fans beforehand and blah, 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 blah. Um, punk, you know, and I'm sure you're not listening, but if you are, Punk, you're just an ornery guy. You're just a, a, a moody, cranky, ornery kind of guy. It has nothing to do whether people are polite or not. It has to do with the fact that whether we catch you in a good place or a bad place. And I met you at a signing WrestleMania 26, and, man, you couldn't be bothered. You could not be bothered. And it was a signing, and you were you were there. You, specifically, it wasn't, I didn't run into you at, at a hockey game. You weren't walking down the street, and I ran over and bothered you. You were specifically there for a signing, and you couldn't make eye contact. You couldn't have, you know, even a, a, a five-second conversation. You were just shuffling people along and couldn't be bothered. And that stuck out with me because I've met, I've been lucky to meet a number of guys, and most wrestlers I've met have been very cordial, very polite. And look, you weren't mean, you weren't rude, you didn't snap at me. But, you know, Luke Gallows had a quick conversation with me. He was cool, supporting guy. He was, he was really cool, and, and you couldn't be bothered. So to kind of get on your soapbox and kind of, you know, point the finger at the fans that are, are, are disrespectful or not polite enough for you um, you know, maybe you should be looking in the mirror there because you should be polite uh, right off the bat. I mean, you reap what you sow. And, and that when I was at that signing, that struck me. So all in all, as much as Punk said this isn't a shoot, um, and I, don't, I, I honestly don't know what exactly he meant. He kept saying that. It was a shoot. He came off as bitter. It was, you know, it was a, what, like an hour and a half of, of Punk essentially complaining 
Uh, there was some interesting stuff. Uh, you know, it was I, I always enjoy seeing what goes on behind the scenes, but um, I, still at this point, like I, I honestly can't say that I developed any increased empathy for CM Punk. To be honest, I still really don't miss him, and uh, you know that that that's it. I mean, it, 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 it rippling effect around the internet and. Um, we heard his side of the story leaving, but ultimately you quit. And whatever the reasons were, um, you know, I, I don't care. So um, and that that's my reaction. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people on Facebook that uh, I was surprised, honestly, Dave, that most of the people on our Facebook thread, um, they they were not pleased with Punk either. Uh, it was it was mostly negative reaction towards the, the, the podcast. And, uh, you know, that that's. Kind of my feelings in a nutshell, and I'm sure our callers are going to want to discuss it, so this is going to be the bulk of our uh, show, I think, tonight. But you know what? I'm going to shut up now. Dave, what were your thoughts on the, on the whole podcast and what Punk had to say? Well, I like you, I wasn't initially going to listen to it. I had read a transcript of some of the mo- the, 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 the notes, that um, of the big bullet points that he had talked about, his discussion with Vince Triple H the night after the Royal Rumble, stuff like that. Um, but then my brother had sent me a text. He goes, I just heard the, I just listened to the punk, uh, podcast on Cabana's show. He goes, it's a really good listen. You should listen to it. And I wrote him back. I said, well, I heard it was basically a two hour shoot interview. He he goes, yeah, pretty much. He was pretty angry, but you should hear what he has to say. And I said, what's your take on it? And he goes, "Uh, either way, whether he's here or not, these are the reasons why he left. He goes, it's his story. There's always, there's three sides to every story. There's your side, there's my side, and then there's the truth. He goes, but you should listen to it. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll take a listen to it. So uh, I was listening to it the other day, and uh, I I, I, I kind of had a feeling going into it, especially if it was on Cabana's podcast, that it was going to kind of be um, – it was it was going to kind of be under CM Punk's terms and in, in, in his control. Um, you know, I when I listened to this and after going back, I took some notes on this podcast because I knew we were going to be talking. I, I I just knew it. I knew it was going to get a lot of a, a lot of steam from our listeners, and we had to discuss. We had to cover it. So I took some notes. I took some pros and some cons from his podcast and things that stuck out at me that I that I'll just go over briefly and discuss. Um, I'll start with the positives. I agreed with his theory that WWE um, pushed Daniel Bryan towards the title at WrestleMania because of Punk leaving. I think WWE reacted knowing that two things, that the audience was going to shit on the product any chance they got if Daniel Bryan wasn't put in a positive spotlight, which I believe he deserved. Okay, I think a Randy Orton-Batista main event at WrestleMania 30 would have sucked to be quite honest with you. And the way that the fans reacted at the Royal Rumble with Daniel Bryan not being in the match, and to top it off now with Punk leaving, I think that it was it, it was definitely a result of him walking out on the company. Um, Punk made mention of Triple H squashing him at the Night of Champions pay-per-view in 2011 and kind of cutting his push out from under him after the quote-unquote pipe bomb. And I do agree with that. Um, originally, from what I remember, it was supposed to be Punk and Nash at that pay-per-view. But Nash had a little bit of a health scare, um, which WWE Medical had to pull him from. This is legitimate. So they inserted Hunter into the mix. Hunter 
beat Punk in the middle, one, two, three, and then, like, nothing was made up of it afterwards. They they kind of moved Punk over against, uh, you know, Miz and R-Truth at that time, who were kind of like the renegade rebels of, of WWE, siding, you know, with Laurinaitis and against, um, you know, Triple H and, and, and Punk as well. So I thought that, you know, the Punk-Triple H stuff was good. I think they could have elaborated more on it. It just felt like... Hunter went in there, squashed him, and then that was the end of it. And they kind of dropped something, the storyline. From what I remember, the original storyline was that Laurinaitis was supposed to be the one behind all the chaos taking place, with Nash turning on Hunter, with Miz and R-Truth, who were fired, getting involved in, in, in WWE you know, events when they weren't supposed to. Um, they were supposed to form like some little form of a corporation, and Punk was going to kind of be in the middle of this power struggle. From what I remember reading, this is all speculation. So I didn't think it was necessary that Hunter just kind of came in and, uh, you know, cut the momentum out from Punk. Because they were trying to, you know, after Punk's pipe bomb and after they kind of took him seriously and they brought him back and he won the belt and they did the storyline where he left, you know, they were trying to build him up on the same level as John Cena. And I I think having him lose to Hunter at that pay-per-view kind of hurt that a little bit. I do agree with his thoughts on turning the WrestleMania 29 main event into a three-way dance. Um he had mentioned in the podcast that The Rock was coming back and The Rock wanted Punk to work with him and The Rock wanted Punk to work as a heel. Punk felt he was a hot baby face at the time and shouldn't be working as a heel. And then when Punk realized that he wasn't going to be working the main event, he tried to lobby himself into making it a three-way with him, Rock, and Cena, which I liked that idea. I will admit, last year, you listened to our shows, I was a big proponent of Rock, Cena, too, for the title because it added another layer and dimension to their hot rivalry. But I was also in favor of if they added CM Punk to that mix, I thought it would have been good, and I thought it would have made sense as well. Um, another thing I agreed on was Punk's, you know, issues with having a job to the part-time guy. Uh, you know, he made a great, you know, point of saying to Vince, at least from what he tells us in his podcast, that where are these guys going to be? I'm going to be here tomorrow night. What does this do to my character? The casual viewer, which you're trying to lure in in the first place, is going to see me in a negative light because I've just been losing to all these part-time guys. What does that make my character look like? I totally get that. I totally understand where he's coming from there. You know, I think they, in some cases, WWE, you know, negatively protects these part-time guys because they know that they're going to make that big buck quickly but they sacrifice the guys who are regularly on the roster, and it makes the casual viewer look at these guys regularly on the roster in a lower light, in my opinion, personally, as a fan. And finally, I, you know, whether it's true or not, you know, I know you mentioned you know, the, the whole firing thing, and I agree with your point, Ken, that he did technically walk out, even though WWE you know, fired him. I, if it's true, I don't think it was right that they fired him on his wedding day. You know? But those are the things I agreed with. Those are the pros. Now, let me talk about the cons. For instance, he starts this podcast by saying it's not a fuck WWE interview. Now, excuse my language. Well, I'll get into that in a minute. But every story that he tells regarding WWE or his interactions with management is made to show them in a negative light. You know, he seems very angry recalling each and every story that he talks about, whether he discusses, you know, issues with creative, with Ryback, with Triple H, you know, lots of swearing, every other sentence. It's just, you know, the whole demeanor of, of, of his conversation, his interview, his story, his shoot, as if, if, if you'll call it, indicated the opposite, that it was a fuck WWE interview. You know, he didn't have a positive thing to say about the company, didn't have a positive thing to say about Vince, Triple H, Creative, Ryback, etc. 
etc. Okay? He complained that other guys got paid more than him for his WrestleMania 29 match. But he says also at the same time that money isn't everything, but feels he wasn't paid accordingly at times. Yet, at the same time, in the same podcast, he brags about getting what he wanted financially and then some from his WWE settlement. Money don't mean shit to you. Then why is it bothering you that you didn't get paid the same amount as Rock, Taker, Hunter, Brock, and Cena at WrestleMania that year? I just don't understand it. You know? He claims he only did this interview with Colt Cabana because Colt was his friend and he knows that Colt doesn't have a hidden agenda. Okay? He thinks he all... He goes... I also think he did, excuse me, because it was a safe environment. He could speak freely without being interrupted or being questioned on his theories or answers, and he wanted to do it in an environment that he could control and feel comfortable in. You know, for instance, Rob Feinstein from our video, he's, you know, the king of the shoot interviews. I've seen a few of his shoots. He's done a ton of shoot interviews, and he holds nothing back, okay? But he does it in a very respectable, professional manner. You know, there's been times where I've watched a couple of Rob's interviews where he'd ask a guy a question, the guy would give an answer, but if there's a question on top of that answer, maybe something that wasn't covered in his original answer, Rob will bring that up. I think if Punk were put in an environment that that somebody was going to question his theories, his thoughts, or his opinions regarding this story and regarding his, his, his stories with WWE, I think that would have upset and angered him. And I think he wanted to speak freely without any kind of interruption. You know, another thing about him that I did not like from all this is that he acted like all of, his, all of his ideas were great. And he had some great creative ideas that he discussed. But he acted like creative was, was out of touch, that, that, that his ideas weren't that good. If management disagreed with him, he felt that they personally were out to get him and he felt that he needed to prove them wrong, shove it up their ass. If management went in a different direction opposed to him, he acted like it was the worst idea ever. He'd get angry about it. Like you said, he'd pout, he'd whine. You know, he, he, his phrase was, well, I'm not going to fight this battle. It's not my hill to die on. He phrased a lot in this podcast. You know, and, and, and finally, one thing that struck me out that I disagree with him on, you know, being sick, working hurt ultimately led to his decision. And I understand that, and I agree with that. You know, you have a MRSA staph infection. You're working hurt. You're, I, I get that. If, he, if you need a break for burnout, I totally get it. I'm a human being, too. As big of a wrestling fan as I am, your health is more important than my entertainment. It comes first. But at the same time, in previous interviews, he has stated, especially like before the pipe bomb promo and after the pipe bomb, bomb, excuse me, pipe bomb promo and, and his, you know, his, his push with the championship, is that he's wanted the top spot. He's wanted the John Cena schedule, which requires him to work all the time, to do the rounds in the media, work every single show, yet he complains other top guys get special treatment, okay? Didn't they get him a bus so it could save some life on his career traveling-wise so he didn't have to get cramped in a rental car so he could have some rest and relaxation after a show? I mean, Cena worked hard. He came back early from injury. I understand his gripes that Vince would call him back and say, we need you in three weeks after he had just had a surgery, just to cut promos. I understand that. At the same time, you're not the, you're not the first person that they've done this to. Okay, Hogan, Austin, Rock, Triple H, John Cena, all those guys, they worked hurt. They came back early from injury. They worked the same schedule that you did. So what makes you so different than everybody else? 
bottom line here is, in my personal opinion, the overall interview was just, it was a giant shooter interview made to shit all over WWE. It was very negative. There wasn't a positive thing said about it. As much as he says that he's not in it for the money and that he did this because it was, you know, uh, uh, he wanted to clear the air, get his story out, and Colt Cabana was his friend, gave him that form to do it. Um, Punk's not a dummy. He's a smart businessman. Okay, and he did it because it was a controlled environment. I just think overall it was a very bitter, angry, you know, shoot interview that he did with Colt Cabana, you know, and and the way that he even spoke to some fans, you know, oh, you people on the dirt sheet are going to get it all confused that Batista was on my couch and I hate Batista or I don't get along with Brock. Don't talk, don't be little and talk to people that way. I just felt it was a, it was, it was a two hour, you know, belittling fest by CM Punk. And bottom line, you know, those are my feelings. I and like you, Ken, I have a personal story I can talk about with CM Punk briefly. You know, I was a guest of uh, Hurricane Shane Helms at WrestleMania 24 in Orlando, and I went to the, the the hotel. WWE always does a big spread after the show, big after party. They get a live band, catered food, open bar. They they do a big giant celebration. You know, everybody that's a guest of the company is there that week. So I was a guest of Shane Helms. I was standing in a little circle with him. Um, at the time, he was dating Velvet Sky, good friend of mine, Matt Hardy, and um, I forget who else was there. And Punk kind of snuck in the circle to come grab something to drink, and uh, you know he grabbed the water, and then he, he said hello to everybody, and then he said, "Who's your friend?" And he re- referring to me because I was the only one that was an outsider and wasn't you know well known. So you know Shane introduced me as Dave, and he, I said to him, "You know, nice to meet you. I know who you are." Um, that night, he was in the Money in the Bank ladder match. He won the Money in the Bank ladder match. And I just said, you know, great match. I'm glad to see that they got something planned for you by giving you the briefcase. Um, and uh, he said to me, he goes, why wasn't there original plan? And he kind of looked over at Matt Hardy. And that year, Jeff Hardy was supposed to win the Money in the Bank ladder match, but he had violated the wellness policy for the second time, which required him to be suspended for 60 days missing WrestleMania. So, yeah, Punk was right. He was the plan B. But he just seemed kind of, I don't know, like not really enthused to be there. Maybe he was tired. I didn't really take too much into his demeanor. But, you know, I just said it was nice to meet you, and I look forward to, you know, seeing bigger things from you on TV. He's like, yeah, I'll believe that shit when I see it. He just kind of walked away. He took a picture with me. He didn't really seem too thrilled to take the picture. But he took a picture with me, and that was my personal interaction with CM Punk. Um, so overall, like, I don't miss him terribly. I'm glad his story came out. I think there's some truth to, to his story. I think there's some truth to the things he had to say. But like my brother said in that text message, there's your version, there's my version, and there's the truth. And we never know what's going to come out after this. Well, there you have it. I mean, both of us, uh, I think we're kind of falling on the same side of things. And I, I want to get more into it now. We we put out both of our dissertations on the podcast. We definitely want to hear from you guys. We've got some people on hold, 347-838-9815. Um, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, as long as you want to, we're going to talk about uh, the CM Punk podcast. Uh, it's definitely is a hotbed issue in, in the world of pro wrestling. And perfectly honest, it's either that or discussing the anonymous GM. So let's talk CM Punk. Um, give us a call. We're going to have the news. We're going to get your phone calls and continue to dissect this. But, you know, it's time right now. It is time for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. 
Thank you very much, Ken. As if I didn't need another reason to talk. This is the Day 5 News Report. <laughs> Only heard at the top of the hour every single Monday night here on the Ken Reedy Show. And I just told you at the top of this show, you're going to hear some truth, no bullshit. And you got that from me. Well, now I'm about to spit some more truth for you with the top five stories this week in professional wrestling. It was last week here on the Day 5 that I reported on the company overhaul that is occurring in TNA Wrestling. Well, it seems that the commentary team is in the midst of a change. It looks as if Mike Tenay, longtime TNA play-by-play announcer, is on his way out of that seat, and replacing him is former WWE announcer Josh Matthews. Tenay's color commentating partner, Taz, is still slated to continue his role on television as a color commentator alongside Josh Matthews. Reports out now are saying TNA management wants a clean slate with overall production, the look and the feel of the show when it debuts on Destination America in January. And the shakeup in commentary is one of those on the top of the list that needs a makeover. Mike Tenay, however, will still remain with the company, but in another role, which is yet to be determined at this time. On a side note, Tenay's TNA deal expires at the first of the year, and it's been highly speculated he could join Jim Ross in calling the Global Force Wrestling pay-per-view, which debuts in the United States on January 4th, 2015. Last week, our own Ken Reedy suggested a potential Triple H Ryback showdown in 2015. But we all know the important people in Stanford, Connecticut, over at WWE headquarters, listen to the intelligent pro wrestling talk that only the Ken Reedy show provides. But it looks like our suggestion, as well as WWE creative's idea, hence the quotes, air quotes, as you can't see because this is radio, <laughs> it was their idea for listening to us every single Monday night, 6.38 p.m. on Block Talk Radio. Well, it may not come to fruition. Seems as if WWE creative have soured on the idea of the potential match due to a match Ryback had with Cesaro on Raw recently. Allegedly, the possible Ryback Triple H match was to take place at the 2015 Royal Rumble event, which would then lead to a huge WrestleMania 31 match involving Ryback. Against whom? We don't know. Word is that despite this match being off the table, it will not affect affect the main event push Ryback is expected to receive heading into 2015. In a world where where digital streaming content is making a name for itself, for example, entities such as HBO, CBS, and WWE Network are out there now, it looks as if New Japan Pro Wrestling has thrown its name into the hat. New Japan Pro Wrestling has announced its own streaming service called New Japan World. The difference between them and WWE is that they are mostly a pay-per-view company with no weekly television show, unlike WWE. With that being said, all of New Japan Pro Wrestling's content will be available to stream. With debuting a pay-per-view alongside Global Force Wrestling in January, a TV deal with ASX, 2015 looks to be the year New Japan Pro Wrestling breaks out into the United States of America. The Wrestling Observer reports that WWE is looking to beef up the content in 2015 when it moves to Thursday nights on SmackDown. Officials are aware that SmackDown has been made to look like the B-Show, or as I would like to say, Raw Rewind. The plan is for the company to create storylines of its own for SmackDown instead of continuing to facilitate 
and rewind storylines from Raw, and in that attempt, make the show as equal in terms of importance to the flagship show, Monday Night Raw. And our final story this week, top independent wrestling star, Yuha Nation, looks to be on his way to WWE. Reports last month noted his tryout at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, impressed officials and put him on their radar to potentially sign to a developmental deal. Rumors of his signing came out of Preston City Wrestling's event in the United Kingdom this past weekend as Nation defeated former WWE superstar and guest of the Ken Reedy Show several months back, the masterpiece Chris Masters, for the PCW Championship. Interesting note, most potential signees on the independent scene to WWE usually drop their championship from their said independent promotion on the way out. But PCW may have elected for him to keep the title as a way to make Nation look strong heading into WWE, even if he reports to Developmental or NXT first before the main roster. And there you have it, folks. I spit some knowledge. I tell the truth. I pull no punches, and I don't bullshit any of you. That was the Dave 5 News Report. Heard every single Monday night, top of the hour, only on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, take it away. Good stuff. A lot of stuff to get into. I mean, I I, I want to react to some of the stuff you said about the, the punk podcast. So, got a lot of stuff to talk about with this. We're going to go out to the phones right now. And you want to weigh in on this. Again, it's probably... You know, the most controversial thing going on in the pro wrestling world right now, the wrestling landscape, 347-838-9815, that is the number to call. Well, first, we're going to go out to uh, Connecticut. Is this Mr. Trivia? Hey, how you doing, guys? Is, uh, I have a couple of Connecticut numbers. I wasn't sure. I didn't have yours exactly memorized. But how you doing tonight, Trivia? Doing pretty good. Uh, I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving, you and Dave and uh, Michelle and Nicole. I hope you all had a great holiday. And, uh, yeah, a couple things. Uh, this thing with CM Punk, I don't know. I think he's just getting pretty ugly because he never got his ice cream bars. But uh, <laughs> really uh, didn't pay too much attention to that. I, I want to get back to this uh, ridiculous anonymous general manager stuff. I mean, it's it's getting crazy. I think that they should just announce it. In my opinion, I think it's, I think it's Michael Cole. But uh, that would be kind of interesting to uh, – to find out really who it is. Could be Michael Cole, maybe it could be Sting, I don't know. But uh your opinions on it guys? It's funny, man. I'll be honest with you, like I don't care. I'm just so mad that like they're, they're doing this again. I, I just uh, you know, I said it last week on the show. Um the WWE has obviously put themselves in a position where they, they may say they go fifty two weeks a year, there's no off season, there's an off season and and creatively speaking uh, post SummerSlam, um, you know it, it, the product just uh, it declines. And and to be honest, like I don't even want to talk about it. It's just like you know, it, it's I don't want to get into the speculating. I don't want to like guess who the anonymous GM is. I just right now for me, I am just really hoping that they're doing the they'll do the anonymous GM because it's Cyber Monday, and I'm okay if they end it there. If that's it, it's all we see. Then cool, I can understand the tie-in with Cyber Monday, but um, yeah, when I saw those lights flash, like I, I, I kind of got a little bit of nauseous seeing that again. What, what are your thoughts, Dave? I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I agree with you, Ken, in in the sense that I think this is only done just because it's a Cyber Monday theme, and I think they're still trying to figure out um, where they want to go with the authority figure position in WWE. We've talked about it before the general manager concept has been 
tired out um, for, for a long time now. Um, we watched wrestling years ago where there was no boss on TV every week. Jack Tunney would show up once in a blue moon and make a stupid decision, and then he'd disappear again. Or they would show a video from his office um, where he'd make a decision. So I don't think a, an authority figure is needed on television every single week uh, making the matches and making the decisions. I think this general manager idea is just done for Cyber Sunday, or Cyber Monday, excuse me. Cyber Sunday actually used to be a pay-per-view. But here's my, here's my thinking on it. WWE.com talked about this anonymous GM, and, and uh, they, they, they previewed Raw with, with the notion that could, there's a possibility we could be, re, be revealing who the anonymous GM has been all along. Now, for those of you who are diehard hardcore fans and have a memory like myself, do you remember in, in the summer of 2012 when it was revealed that the anonymous Raw general manager was actually Hornswoggle. WWE fails to even mention that in this preview of, of Raw or even some of these uh, videos that they've been playing on their website and on their mobile app previewing the, the, the anonymous GM's return. And they, they, they have a list of people as to who could be the anonymous general manager of Raw. Well, it was revealed two years ago that it was Hornswoggle, which we thought was dumb then. So them revealing, possibly revealing it could be somebody tonight I just don't understand. Maybe they realized their error in their ways and they shouldn't have, uh, you know, revealed Hornswoggle to be the anonymous GM because they didn't have a clue who it was in the first place. So, I mean, I just find it interesting that, you know, you brought up Steve Austin earlier. He's got that live podcast in the arena on the WWE Network with Vince McMahon. Maybe Austin makes an appearance tonight, you know, stomping a mud hole in the computer and then announcing that he's the GM next week. I mean, who knows? But... I, I think it's just done for it's a one-week thing, and I think it's just something that they're doing to, to fill some time for the end of the year and to you know figure out what where they're going to go with the authority figure storyline with the with the who's going to be the boss, who's going to be running things, um, you know in WWE. I think that they're in a holding pattern with that right now. That's why they're going proud. Yeah, that 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 was um, my. Kind of take on it too. Yeah, I agree with that as well. But uh, guys, what do you think of this? Uh, two two more quick points. Uh, this part-time champion we got, Brock Lesnar. I mean, isn't it uh, whatever happened to the defend the title in out with thirty-day clause? I mean, Brock Lesnar hasn't been around since he won the title, and that was what a little over a month or so ago. Yeah, I mean they they've kind of conveniently forgotten about the the thirty-day clause. Um, you know, and and. I'm not, you know, I'm one of those people that I, I, I feel like they could done right, and, and similar dates like what you said. We talked about it, you know, with an authority figure. You don't need an authority figure here every week. You don't need to see a GM each and every week. You know, Vince can run things and show up every now and again. I feel like you can do the same thing with the champion. However, the champ needs to um, be relevant. The championship needs to be relevant. I, I think, you know, done correctly. I was in, in support of. Brock having a, a part-time schedule. That being said, part-time, but defending the title every 30 days and, and having some relevance to, to Monday Night Raw. I mean, going into the last pay-per-view, Brock Lesnar and the WWE World Heavyweight Championship were barely an afterthought. And, and that, to me, as long as you utilize the absence to build prestige and the champ, when the champ is there, it's something special... Then it can be done the right way. 
to make the champ irrelevant, um, I, I don't like it at all right now. I, I think it's not working. Uh, your thoughts, Dave, on our absentee champ? I don't have an issue with it because it makes sense in the form of him being a heel. He he said it two years ago. He wanted to come and go when he pleased. He's a prize fighter. He only fights big prizes. You know, he's the WWE champion. He was the hand-picked plan B for the authority to dethrone John Cena as the champion. The authority, as, you know, storyline figures approve of him and his schedule and doing whatever he pleased. Um and plus, like I said a million times over, he was, you know, when we were younger, Champ was not on TV every single week. Maybe a pre-taped promo here and there or Heyman facilitating his presence on TV with a promo could work. But I don't mind that he hasn't defended the belt on pay-per-view because, you know what, the title over the past, I would say, decade has has not been as valued as it, as it was in years prior um, because it's been defended so often. So... You know, we don't see, you know, let's, if you want to talk about a shoot, we don't see UFC, the heavyweight champion, defending thir- every 30 days, every pay-per-view. They have different championships. they got a welterweight, a lightweight, a middleweight. they got a women's division now. You know, different titles get defended in, at, at their at their pay-per-views. So, you know, it, 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 makes, it makes sense to me. I don't have an issue with it. I still stand by it. All right, great. And, guys, one more thing, and then I'll just drop the phone and hear your opinion on this. Uh, what... What do you do? You think this uh, match will be relevant at WrestleMania? John Cena versus Triple H. Triple H wins. The Authority comes back. Uh, your thoughts, guys, and uh, have a great night. Thanks a lot, Mr. Trivia. We'll talk to you next week. Um, I, I mean, I, I could definitely see that match at WrestleMania. Um, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, somehow. Triple H has something that uh, John Cena wants. So uh, there's a step that, uh, you know, if, if I beat you, then I'm back in power. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's a long ways away. Uh, we may at that time, WrestleMania, just forget the authority ever really existed. But uh, um, that stipulation that John Cena is the only one that could put the authority back in power, it wouldn't shock me if some way, shape, or form that comes back. No, I agree with you. I mean, it looks like from what took place at Survivor Series, they're laying the foundation for a Sting Triple H match, most likely at WrestleMania 31. Um, but at the same time, there's still, there's still, you know, at least in storyline, some unfinished business with Cena and Triple H. I mean, you know, Cena laid out Hunter, you know, the, the in, in gave him an AA through the table, you know, the week before the pay-per-view. And they had teased some physicality between the two of them, and it looked like, you know, that that was... It, it looked like that's the route that they were going to go before that they came up with this idea for the Survivor Series match that they were going to do Cena and Triple H at some point, most likely WrestleMania, um, if, if other things fell into place. I mean, you know, you also got to remember too, from a storyline standpoint, Triple H isn't just an, you know a, a, an employee to WWE in an office position; he's also still a contracted performer. So. He could always come back as a contracted performer to challenge John Cena for his power back in WWE. So he doesn't necessarily need something to hang over John Cena's head. He could just come back and 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 act like a regular full time performer and then challenge him for his position of power back in WWE. So I, I could see it happening if, if other things fall into place. I mean, there's talk of, of Sting Undertaker actually happening. 
But there's also talk of Sting and Triple H actually happening. And I think Sting and Triple H makes much more sense now than Sting and Undertaker. So maybe we'll see Triple H, Cena down the line, or maybe, you know, what happened at Survivor Series with Ziggler winning and the authority being done is actually done for the time being, and, and Cena and Triple H don't have any interaction with each other. Remains to be seen. Uh, lots of interesting stuff from Mr. Trivia, but give us a call, 347-838-9815. You want to talk what we're going to see at Raw? You want to talk about the future? Um, you know, we're all over the place right now, but the, but the crux and, and how we started the show was the CM Punk uh, shoot. And look, we'll, what the hell? We'll call it the CM Punk shoot interview. Uh, you want to discuss that? Give us a call. We're going to go back out to the phones. Uh, I think is it Anthony? This is. What's up, guys? Anthony, what's going on? How are you tonight? <laughs> what's going on? I'm uh, really fired up about the CM Punk. I'm not even going to call it an interview because. It really wasn't. It was a. I don't. I don't even know. More. It more seemed like two friends that wanted to go out there and uh, get their story out. I understand, but I had a couple of major problems with it, and I would never claim to be a pro wrestler or know what they go through being on the road, 300 days a year, whatever it is, what their body goes through. Honestly, that's why I respect it so much, and I get into arguments with people about the whole whether it's fake or not thing with the definition of being fake, whatever it is. Having said that, and if he left because injuries, tired, uh, burnt out, you know, good for him. That That's what he felt he had to do. I'm totally fine with that. I, as a fan, I have no problem with that. I did have a problem with the fact that he never once came out and said why he left. Um, obviously, there was some legal stuff they went through, uh, which may have prevented uh, him saying everything. But a simple tweet, uh, you know, like others have in the past, you know, hey, I love you guys, I'm tired, just need a break, whatever, anything. Just something, nothing. Radio silence for 10 months. Haven't heard a word from the guy. The only time you ever seen him is uh, at hockey games, which he clearly loves hockey more than he likes wrestling, which is fine. If that's what his uh, his thing is, that's cool. Um, but to come out and do a podcast with your best friend and rip everybody under the sun who have been bigger people in this business than you for a lot longer of a time, I have a major problem with it. You want to come out? whether it's about money or not, and I'm sure there was a lot of places that would have paid him handsomely to do an interview, but they would have paid him handsomely and would have also looked into his role in all this. They would have done research. They would have talked to other people. They would have gave Vince and Triple H and maybe even Ryback or whoever else he decided to rip a chance to uh, combat his arguments, and maybe there's some skeletons in his closet that he doesn't want coming out so I'll go on a podcast with my best friend because I need a little publicity because I'm starting my own company and go out and rip everybody in the sun just to get him airplay. And that's totally what I think he did. And I totally have a problem with it. And I totally have a problem with his arrogance that basically the entire company revolved around him the time he was there, which to me is total nonsense. You, he clearly uh, is jealous of Cena. He doesn't say it, but in my interpretation of what he talks about, he is. 
Well, I sold more shirts to them. Okay, you did it for what, a year? Uh, Cena's been the top guy for 10 years. You weren't even in a company that long as, as, a, major, uh, as a major figure. You, you're not John Cena because you don't want to do the things it takes to become John Cena. He wrestled with injuries. He had tricep surgery and came back in seven weeks. You, had, you clearly are complaining about coming back from surgery. It's real simple. I guarantee you CM Punk has had lawyers his whole career. If he didn't want to come back because his knee was still messed up, all he had to do was say, I'm not coming back. Would, would it have caused problems? I'm sure it would have, but there's ramifications for that. And the other thing I had a major problem with is it's not about money, but yet he mentions money. And I know Dave brought this up, and him and I talked about this earlier. You mentioned money more than any other word except the F word in the entire uh, commentary he had, the two-hour commentary, mentioned money many, many times. said it's not about money. When clearly it is because you you yourself brought it up a million times, and if you're going to be a public figure making that kind of money, you're you're going to have to deal with people giving you a hard time, wanting pictures, wanting autographs, wanting all that stuff. It's just it's just the way it is. And there was a comment he made about if I'm worth eight million to WWE, they don't want to pay me eight million. They want to pay me 500000 because they have to make money. Well, welcome to the real world, Phil Brooks, because <laughs> I'm a bartender. If I ring $2,000 in a night, my bar is not going to pay me $2,000. Why? Because we'd be out of business. LeBron James makes $100 million because his, his company, the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA, probably make 10 times that often. You're still paid handsomely. You're obviously not struggling with money at all because you walked away from millions. You got more. I mean, let's face it. The guy could have wrestled another 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is, probably made eight times as much as he's going to going to now. He decided not to. That's on him. But you can't expect a company to pay you everything you're worth. It doesn't work that way. It's the real world. Like, give me a break. I mean, you know, I, know you, I know you guys have your thoughts. I think I'm a little more fired up than you guys. It just it just really rubbed me the wrong way. The whole thing rubbed me the wrong way. If you're going to rip people, go about it the right way. Don't imply that Triple H is on drugs, which he did. And I listened to the two, this thing two times because I really wanted to call him tonight and I wanted to go off and I wanted to make sure I didn't misspeak. So I listened to it again this afternoon to make sure I didn't miss any, anything. And I'm probably missing stuff that pissed me off because it was like two hours of nonsense. And that's how I felt about the whole thing. <laughs> you bring up like some really, really good points. And, and I do agree with you. Like, I, you know, there are times for me um, in the, the interview, uh, and I want Dave to react to this as well, but like, yeah, I thought he came off like a spoiled brat and, and someone who was really, really, like, uh, honestly, it's funny because like he would talk about being. You know, like, he, he wants to come across as this, like, you know, blue-collar, down-to-earth, everyman kind of guy. But you're right. He talked a lot about the money, and he came across as, like, um, a, you know, a, a millionaire that doesn't really know what the common man goes through. And and, and I, I really think it's an excellent point that uh, – and now I, you're actually getting me more fired up because when you talk about being a bartender, yeah, I mean, I'm in a band, and, and I've played at bars where – I know that the bar is making out. 
I know the bar is making a few thousand dollars. I am not walking out with that money. So again, like you said, you know, Phil Brooks, welcome to the real world. I mean, we all go through this. All of us go through, I mean, how many people out there, you know, normal middle class people that are trying to make ends meet, really genuinely are getting paid what they're worth. And, you know, for a guy to come out there, and, and I'm glad you, you and Dave both brought it up, and, and I, I didn't speak on it, but, you know, he did bring up money quite a bit in that interview. And, you know, and even, like, cocky kind of, you know, at the end of the interview when he was talking about the, uh, you know, the lawsuit and the settlement, and he's like, I got everything I wanted, and then some. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, like, you're just, like, you know, you just, it, it came off like as much as he was acting like or tries to act like he's not, um, someone who really was only in it for the money and wanted to make sure that, you know, he made his case you know, as he walked out the door. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a real, like, it's a, it's a great comparison saying, you know, you know, being a bartender and not getting paid what you're worth, and most of us aren't paid what they're, what they're worth. And uh, now the stuff you brought up, Tony, I'm, I'm more fired up about it again. Dave, your thoughts. You know, the, the the money issue, I brought it up in my points earlier. Uh, one thing that, you know, has come to mind, uh, you know, after listening to Tony concerning CM Punk's, you know, discussion when it came to it's not about the money. Well, he had, you know, in his in his shoot interview, he had a, a story to tell about um, how, he, how he, you know, he wanted the match to be at WrestleMania 29 to be a three-way with him, Rock, and Cena. Um you know, he originally, I guess, the idea was that the Shield was going to be his group. He thought of an idea about after he loses to Taker that you know Taker leaves, but he now moves on to the Shield dumping him, and then he goes through you know the a run with the Shield. Um, he said that WWE creative didn't have any ideas for him past the, the first idea, so he was trying to come up with ideas for himself to to keep moving the the, the train forward creatively, and he made mention of. Um, all right, well, if you're going to put me on with Taker, um, then, you know, I, I need to go away. I need to be a ghost for a while because, you know, I'm burnt out. I'm hurt. I just need a break. And uh, they said, well, no, you can't. You're going to be the hottest heel. So he works the match with Taker. He, like you said, Ken, earlier, you know, what, what am I going to – I'm going to be the hottest heel after losing to a 45-year-old man. He gets to go home. I'm still there. I understood some of his thoughts on that, but then – at one point, he mentions that he got into a shouting match with Vince McMahon over the fact that Vince asked him to watch back his match with Undertaker because it was that good. They said, oh, it was great. He said that Vince, Kevin Dunn, and several other officials, the boys, they all went to him and said that was great. That should have gone on last. And, and CM Punk's reaction was, you did, well, then you better pay me like it went on last. Fuck you, pay me. So... You know, for somebody who kept saying it's not about money, he brought it up an awful lot. He brought up that he didn't make anything that, you know, the other guys made that night. Um, he was in one of the top matches. I mean, I, you know what? He probably made more in that one night than the three of us combined made in an entire fucking year. Excuse my language. But since there, since he gets to curse, you know, every word every five minutes, I might as well too. So now I'm fired up. Thanks a lot, Anthony. You get us both fired up now. I, 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 I mean, oh, sorry. It's just, it, 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 you know what? He kind of, here's the, here's the one thing that I could I could sum up with one word. What this 
you could sum up this podcast with a lot of words, but one word that comes to mind, when, and, and one of our listeners brought it up on the thread when we discussed it on Facebook, Marcus Cain, contradicting. He contradicted himself on more than one occasion when it comes to his statements, his theories, his thoughts, his opinions, everything. You know, if he felt he was getting mistreated by management or somebody, he he he, he would call them out on it. But if he mistreated somebody, like when he said Ryback is dumb as fuck and that Ryback admitted to being dumb as fuck, that's not belittling and mistreating somebody. You're, you're doing the same thing that you didn't want others to do to you. I just didn't understand it. I mean, he, he contradicted himself on more than one occasion, came up very bitter, very angry, and definitely their money had something to do with it. It was. It may not have been the end-all, be-all of his reasons for leaving and his reasons for the way he was, but money was a factor in it. Don't don't let him bullshit you or fool you or, or make you think any different. No, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's funny because I wanted to bring up the Ryback thing too, and I missed it in my little ramble there. He uh, he says that Ryback intentionally kicked him in the ribs and broke his ribs. He intentionally dropped him and missed the table and dropped him on a concrete floor. All, all these intentional things. Now, Cole Cabana, who I don't even get me started, who probably isn't a trained interviewer anyway. I'm not a trained interview, but I listen to a lot of sports radio. I've heard a ton of interviews, and I've heard, and I think the best interviews come from a neutral person that has knowledge of the situation, of the business, whatever it may be, but is neutral. And I, I brought this up to you earlier, David. I thought maybe somebody like JR, just to throw a name out there, it doesn't have to be him. He He's in the know with the inner workings of the company. He has a relationship with both sides. He's, pro- he's probably be, been dumped on a little bit, too. He probably has axes to grind, but he's been a respectful person. Somebody like that who can actually do an interview from the know is better off than having your best friend let you ramble on about shit for for two hours. And to say that Ryback did all this to you, never once saying, you know, hey, when uh, Ryback came into the company, we had this big argument about something. Or we we don't even know what brought on the hatred between the two of them. There, there clearly is because I saw Ryback's tweets after, and he, he shot right back after him. He didn't pull any punches. Uh, I, I know he since has uh, deleted, which he normally does, but I, I'm sure you guys have read the tweets too. I can't repeat them word for word. But uh, Ryback went right back after him. So I'm sure Ryback has an axe to grind with him also. What brought that on? With being how arrogant he comes off, he he makes it sound like, oh, yeah, I came up with the shield idea and maybe it was his idea i can't say it was or it wasn't but all the great ideas that have happened in wwe since you were there are your ideas and everybody else's ideas suck i can't buy i can't i can't i can't put any credit to that i'm sure he he probably does have great ideas maybe he should be a writer someday and he probably won't because they all hate each other now but you don't give any background to your situation me and hunter hate each other well why give us give us a reason why give us a situation that came up an, an argument you had, uh, something. Give us something to tell you why you feel this way, or are you just as bitter as you sound? And to me, when you come off that bitter and you come off that F everybody, it seems like you're more of the problem than them. Again, I'm not there. That's that's my interpretation of what he said. And I know Vince is going to talk later with Stone Cold on the WWE Network, so I'm sure... It's going to be all pro WWE, obviously. 
we'll probably never know what the middle ground is, but at least we get Vince's side. I'd love to hear Triple H's side. So maybe we could somehow kind of figure out where that middle ground lies because I don't know which way I'm more... With certain situations, I don't know if I'm pro-punk or pro-WWE. I need to hear more. But the one thing is, I'm kind of more pro-company cause just because he's an arrogant asshole. Not to swear, but that's what he is, and he comes off that way. And I felt that before I even heard this podcast. I've been at shows where he's taking a mic at the end of the show to kind of end the show and tell everybody to drive home safe. And his first comment is, I know you all think I'm an asshole, and I am. Well, guess what? We did, and you proved it again. Thank you. <laughs> and no, you're right. were there at SmackDown last year. He said it. I'm I'm an asshole, and everybody thinks I am. So I guess I am. Well, guess what? You are. You you sound like one, and you act like one. That's just my opinion. No, right. I mean, he got honestly got no argument from me. I mean, he really like you know. It, it was interesting to hear some of the stories, um, but it really like I just I, I you know I didn't like him anymore. You know I, I did, and again I. I Further, I, I don't miss him. You know, it was just kind of, um, and I, you know, and you're right, Tony. I mean, I think you bring up a real good point. Like, it would have been interesting if, uh, you know, it was a real interview. I mean, it really was. Like, you know, I know, I know he's straight edge and he doesn't drink, but it, it almost was like, you know, two boys going out uh, for drinks after, uh, you know, one of you got fired and and sitting there over drinks in the bar, like pissing and moaning about the company that just fired you. I mean, that's that's what it came off as. It didn't come off as a, a, a real interview, a real uh, you know genuine. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get your story. It was uh, you know, and I'm sure Punk, you know, it was done on purpose. That uh, Punk wanted a forum where he could go and say whatever he wants, and and you know, really wouldn't get called out on uh, a lot of things and. Uh, you know, again, we got a window behind the scenes, uh, which was intriguing. But, again, I just, you know, I I was like, oh, look, you know, Phil, Phil uh, is, is, he's got an axe to grind again. And like you said, you admit you're an asshole. Uh, every time we see you, you act like an asshole. We meet you in public, you're an asshole. Um, you know, I, I, I don't need to be around you anymore. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> it. Uh, good stuff, Tony. Uh, you know, again. I think we're all like the three of us at least are falling pretty much on the same side of us, but uh be interesting to see uh you know what Vince McMahon has to say tonight uh in reaction to that and um you know it it, it should be interesting cuz I could uh could see this this uh having legs and maybe this is not the last time we're discussing this but uh thanks a lot for the phone call and uh talk to you soon. All right guys, thanks for uh thanks for letting me go off for 5 minutes. Uh, I was really looking forward to it after hearing this stuff, and I uh, appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. All right, take it easy, man. And Tony brought up some real good points, and, and it's interesting, Dave. You know, I mean, one of the things that, that really, you know, bothers me about punk and everything, it's like, you know, I mean, first off, I, I mean, across the board, CM Punk is just, he's just better than everybody. I mean, just just hear him talk. I mean, he's he's better than the WWE. He's better than the fans. He's better than Triple H. He's better than the Dirt Sheets. He's better, obviously, than everyone in the locker room. I mean, he's just hes this guy that just happens to be better at everything than everybody else. And it just gets pissy uh, in his, you know, warped sense of reality that he's not treated as such. Um, you know, his ego is as big as the great outdoors. Um, but what I find intriguing is as you sit there and this guy complains and complains and complains... 
you know, we, we've dissected a lot here tonight. Uh, the one thing that strikes me is like, you know, this guy, he's, it's not Zack Ryder. You know, he's not Curtis Axel. You know, look, Kurt, I mean, Curtis Axel, there's some talent there. Has he been utilized correctly? You know, if he's got an axe to grind, I mean, maybe that would be intriguing to hear, uh, you know, his thoughts on things. I mean, let, let's, for, for, like, let's look at facts that we know, we know definitively that, that are true. CM Punk is rich. Okay, he is rich. He has gotten to a point now where the WWE has afforded him an opportunity where he can stop working. And now, on a whim, he can go and write for Marvel. He can show up on Talking Dead. Uh, he, he can go to all the hockey games he wants because he's loaded. He can make whatever schedule he wants because he's loaded. The company that he's pissing and moaning about made him rich. Okay? He was... Two-time Money in the Bank winner. He broke the the modern-day record, whatever the modern-day is record, for holding the championship. Um, You know, he got pushed for a year plus with, as they say, the richest prize in pro wrestling. And on top of that, and you know, you piss and moan about the part-timers, they booked you to wrestle The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Let it sink in. They booked him to wrestle The Undertaker at WrestleMania. This is a guy, like, think, think about those stats. This is a guy that wants you to believe that he was treated unfairly. I mean, how many guys are getting that? How many guys have those things on their resume, and yet you, you, you were treated unfairly, creatively, really? I mean, that, that's the part, like, when you really look at the stuff that CM Punk got, he had a nice run. And and to me, like, he's probably one of those guys that the WWE recognized his talent, recognized his popularity, um, but he was a dick. So he got, like, he got pushes, um, and people probably weren't enamored by, by giving him a push, but they recognized that that was the right thing to do at the time. Um, it's just, like, when you look at, you know, again, he's not a guy that's, that's, not being, like, that's great in the ring and, and not being given a, a, a chance to, to, you know, have have the, the the strap, you know he's been he's been given a lot of opportunities, and to hear a guy like that again, who has worked in pro wrestling, made it to the pinnacle of the WWE, is loaded, and, and to hear that guy piss and moan, it, it, that that stuff just really gets under my skin, Dave. Yeah, um, you know it's 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 funny you bring up his you know his resume of things that he his character and how WWE he's portrayed him. Um, you know, in in his tenure there, and it, it sparked something else that he brought up. He talked about how like he was like shunned, like the past like three WrestleManias, like he should have been the main event. Like I agree with him as far as WrestleMania 27 goes. Maybe him and Cena should have been the headliner, as opposed to Miz and Cena, because that was probably the worst WrestleMania main event in the history of WrestleMania. But the following year in Miami, you mean to tell me? Now don't get me wrong. I think he deserved. I think him and Jericho deserved. They got good time. On their match, you know, we were there. It was a good match. Um, I think they got good time. Did they, did they deserve more time? Absolutely. Were they shorted on time because of other things? Yes, it was. Considering how good the angle was with him and Jericho, it was a title match. I understand his gripe about that, but he felt that he should have been the last match, the main event with him and Jericho closing out WrestleMania 29. So you mean to tell me, okay, as good as you are, and don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away his talent or his ability, okay, as good as you are, on the, on the mic, 
in the ring, as good as your storyline was with Jericho, and you know, as good of a match as that everyone expected it to be, you expected the office and management to put you on last past John Cena and The Rock, which was promoted a year in advance. Rock returning to his hometown in Miami. Rock probably one of the top three, maybe even top five. Uh, stars in the entire wrestling industry, you expected to go on past them? Are you fucking high? (laughs) In his his hometown, they promoted it for a year. They promoted it for a year. They announced the main event of WrestleMania 28 the night after WrestleMania 27 to boost ticket sales in Rock's hometown, knowing that it was going to be a sellout. They didn't put you on the marquee, motherfucker. They put the rock up there because they knew it was going to sell tickets, and you expected to go on last? You thought you were wrong? Man, like, I mean, I understand confidence in your ability and what you're able to do, but holy cow. Like. And then on top of everything, you know, and it was touched on tonight, but, and then, you know, you're the only one that works hurt? Really? I mean, I get it. Now, if that whole staff infection thing happened the way he said it, if that's like 100% true or, or fairly close to 100% true, that's an awful story. And I got a lot of sympathy for, for Punk if if that's what he went through and, and it was misdiagnosed and he was going. Because, I mean, it could have killed him. Um, that that being I said, yeah, I mean, that, that's a horrible situation. That being said, the other, in, inju- the other injuries that uh, – you know, he stated in the interview and how, oh, my God, Vince, you know, expected me to work after that. You really think you're the only one? And that's the thing that there was a disconnect almost to me with the way he talked that if you're going to if you expect to be the top guy, you work through those. That's it. Period. And that's why, like, the, the top spot in the WWE is not for everybody. You know, John Cena is a guy that, you know, you, you get that impression that, you know, his arm, he could. He could, God forbid, get in a car accident on the way to the arena, have his right arm severed, and he would stitch it up. I need to be at Raw tonight. You know, that's, that's just that's the impression you get from Cena. Like, Cena's just, he's going to be there. You know, to get this, like, I mean, I know it's a tough business, and I respect the hell out of everybody that does it. Um, but to, to act like, you know, you're the only one that'll be working through injuries like this, you know, it, that, that's that's a bit far-fetched. Um you know, I love the story, and I forget who told it, but the story that, you know, a young wrestler came in, he's about to wrestle his first match, and a veteran uh, came over and said, ah, oh, it's your first match tonight, kid, uh, how you feeling? And the kid said, oh, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling great, I'm, I'm 100% tonight. And the veteran said, enjoy it, that is the last time you'll be 100%. And it's, it's just the nature of the business, and it's something that, that I could never do, and I could never maintain that schedule, and I got I, I respect the hell out of the people that that can do it. But you know, look at the you know, granted he's part time now, but look at the the injuries that that Taker wrestles through. Even if he is wrestling, uh, at, at, you know, he's earned that spot. Um, you know, all these guys wrestle through like horrific injuries, and you know, I, I felt like at times he tried to portray it like he was the only one that would be asked to wrestle through that. If you're you're one of or the top guy. You're going to be asked to wrestle through a ton of different injuries. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Let's go back out to the phones because we got the one and only Mike Ferraro's on the line. Mike, how you doing this evening? Hey guys, what's going on? 
Not much. Let's How you What you got for us? All right, let's 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 do this. This is going to be very very interesting. My comments about CM Punk. You know what? I take my hats off to him because he came out and he told his side of the story. We got we got his side of the story and how he feels. Um, you know, a lot of these wrestlers, uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Let's not forget, Stone Cold took his ball and went home. So Stone Cold and all these other wrestlers, Hitman, they all wrote books. You know, they all they all spoke their mind somewhat, but they, but um, to do it like Punk. You know, I, I took out of this whole thing, this whole interview, I, I think Punk is jealous of a couple of, of things. One, I think it's, it's not, you know, the WW Punk. It's WWE. And, and I think Punk forgot that. You know, I mean, yes, Punk's popularity. And I'm not going to take away from Punk's popularity. Because I believe, you know what, I believe Ryback. I, I, I believe Ryback, um, what do you call it, can't work. I, I don't think he can work. You know, and if you hear me, Ryback, I don't think he can work. I, I don't think he should be in the main event, Ryback. And if it wasn't for Punk, I don't think he would be in the main event. You know, Punk helped him through it. Punk carried him. Punk and him had good matches. I've never once heard somebody say, hey, that Ryback, he did great in that match. I heard Ryback, you know, Ryback looked terrible. That's what I've heard. But, you know, Punk, Punk to come out there to say what he said about a couple of things. And, and then the one thing that got me was Steve Austin started the what chant, okay? Steve Austin started this what chant. He never once said, hey, you know what, now people are saying what? This guy, Punk, says, well, pipe bomb. Now everybody says it's a pipe bomb. You know what, it is a pipe It, it, it is a pipe bomb. You know, if, if you're going to give an interview and you're going to shoot from the lip, it's a pipe bomb. But did Cole Cabana, again, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Mick Foley, he commented on Cole Cabana and he said, way to get him out there, way to get a, you know, way to make a name for yourself. And Cole Cabana shot back saying, I wasn't making a name for myself. I was just trying to get him to tell everybody how he felt. And you know what? My hat is off to punk. But, again, like you said in the thing, do you like him less or more? I like him. I wear my punk shirt. I wear my, my, watch my punk DVD. I don't have a problem with punk. Do I have a problem with the way he talks about Triple H? Yes because nobody in their right mind would talk about Triple H like that. You know, um, he brought up a lot of good points. One other point that I, I he, he didn't bring up, he brought about Axel. What about Drew McIntyre? Drew McIntyre was supposed to be this great wrestler that McMahon and Triple H were going to put to the top, and they never did nothing with him. They put him in a three-man band. You don't hear him crying or whining about it. He moved on. And and Punk and, you know and, and then Punk talks about a DVD about all him being in in the the rounds two or whatever twelve rounds two. He said, well, it was because it wasn't the money and it wasn't the fame. It was because of um you know I I wouldn't have to wrestle on the weekends. You know what? If that's how he felt, and then him and Hunter had a thing about it because he kept on saying, well, the champ I'm the champion and I have to go overseas and the schedule situation. And, and then and then he got Randy Orton to do it. My mind is obviously Triple H says, you know what? I'm tired of him complaining about it. Obviously, you know we can't come to an agreement, so I'll just get Randy Orton. But what Triple H didn't do was go to Punk and say, listen, Punk, I'm going with Randy Orton. Good luck or whatever, and that's it. The next day, whatever he said, he read it on the internet and he asked him, how come I have to hear it on the internet? 
But well, that's, again, that, that's, that's my take that about it. I'm curious if, like, we hear another side to that. Um, I, I'm curious about that story. Again, I, I think, you know, I, I think there's, there's, you know, Dave hit the nail on the head. There's there's your side, there's my side, and then there's the truth. And, you know, who knows? I mean, it's all skewed from, from Punk's point of view. Um, I, you know, my impression trying to read between the lines is, yeah, I, I bet there were times that, that Punk was probably treated unfairly behind the scenes. But I think Punk was probably one of those guys that was kind of an asshole. And... You know, people weren't up for, for giving him any favors. So wouldn't be surprised if at, at some point in, in these exchange exchanges um, that Punk was kind of a dick and Triple H, like, you know, did whatever and, and was like, we're going with Randy and was just kind of like, screw Punk. I don't need to call him now and let him know. He's a jerk. Let him find out, when, you know. But so, I mean, I think it was probably one of those things that CM Punk's personality probably rubbed a lot of people the wrong way which uh, led people to, to treat him a certain way. So, you know, it, it should be interesting to see, like, tonight, and, and, and I would love to hear Triple H's take on all this. Uh, I would love to hear Triple H really shoot on this, but I, I well, doubt I'm, it. I'm hearing, I'm hearing from my camp. I got a camp, and I'm hearing from my camp that Triple H went bonkers. <laughs> I heard that you know Triple H, yes, Triple H went crazy, I heard. I heard Triple H went nuts. I heard Triple H took to... I, I was terrible. What ca- what camp was this? Well, no, my camp that I have. I have a, a, ca- I have a, a, a camp, and my camp told me personally that Triple H went berserk. Well, I mean, I mean, pulled a, if, if, if your camp get a hold of Triple H... What? I said, if you're camp, you get a hold of Triple H. I, I'd like to hear the exact story. Does your camp hold have on. an arcing? Hold on, hold on a second. Guys, uh, see if you can get Triple H on the phone. They're working on it. Um, go ahead. <laughs> this is crazy stuff tonight. You guys got me crazy tonight, man. You guys got me. You guys got me. You guys got me almost. As, as a, hey, listen, I heard a funny story over the weekend um, from another good friend of mine. Um. He was an LOD member, so where everybody knows who that is, LOD. We love the LOD. But anyway, I heard a funny story about Rowdy Piper. Rowdy Piper told Animal, you're never going to make it in this business, bro. You're never going to make it. And a couple of years later, they were at SummerSlam, and Animal's standing in the back, and he sees Piper. He walked up to him, and he said, remember when you told me I wasn't going to make it? He said, yeah, I remember. So I made it. And Piper and Piper looked him in the eye and he said, "I don't remember me saying that." And the Animal told him, "Yeah, you said it." <sighs> Just something to break What's up the punk uh, situation. Well, uh, thanks, well, before I let for, you go, Mike. Yeah, what did you say? I couldn't hear, Dave. Sorry, good. What are, What are you looking forward to tonight on Raw? Well, I'm looking forward to uh, you know them setting the table. For TLC, and by the way, we need to we need to set the record straight because I'm tired of hearing Dave talk about I'm tired of hearing Dave talk about well you know when we were kids we didn't see Hulk Hogan defend the title all the time. The problem with that statement is pay per views. 
pay-per-views. Hulk Hogan did go out there on pay-per-views and defend the title. Bret Hart went out there on pay-per-views and defended the title. Diesel, I know that. Like, you know? So let's, let's, so let's talk about Brock Lesnar. Come on, tell me. I know He's, that, Mike. I was referring to TV every week. That's the argument. He doesn't defend the title. Well, you were talking about pay-per-views, too, though, before. I was talking about pay-per-views as well. But, yeah, Hogan didn't defend the title every pay-per-view. He would either be in a Survivor Series match or the Royal Rumble. It wasn't defended as often as it is now because there weren't that many pay-per-views back then. No, but he still defended the title. The title was still a, a mind state. It wasn't uh, held up by, by uh, Brock Lesnar. You know, it wasn't held up by Brock Lesnar. I mean, this is ridiculous. Where Where is he? When's he going to defend the title? I mean, this is... What's he going to do? Get, your, get, when get your camp to work on that. Get, get your <laughs> camp to work on that. Hey, my camp can only... Hey, Dave, my camp can only do so little... You know, and so much. I mean, yeah, come I on, this is ridiculous. My, hey, when when I heard about that whole thing, though, when my my camp called me up about Triple H, he said, "Did you hear about that? He went like a razor. He he went like a razor Ramon. He 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 pulled the razor and he threw the uh, TV down. I heard he went nuts. Oh, and I heard Cole Cabana's never going to work for the WWE. I heard now. You're you that? That's not shocking. No, uh, my camp yeah, didn't yeah, tell me that. Yeah, WrestleZone yeah. told me that. You know, WrestleZone, <laughs> I give them some credit. News. Thank you. All right, oh, we're God. going to We only got a little bit of time left, Mike, so thank you so much for the call. Hopefully next hey, week. I'm going to Buffalo in March to see the WWE Live. I mean, I've been on a, I've been on a ticket spree, man. I'm going to all these live events. Jericho is going to be wrestling live events. He doesn't want to wrestle. I mean, yeah, he doesn't want to be on TV no more, so he wants to wrestle live events. Get out there and see Jericho. Cool, yeah, definitely. Uh, while, while you're going to these live events, we want to get a, a uh, in arena report from you. Thanks for the call, and uh, we'll we'll get back to you next week. I can't wait because I'm going to be talking about the Royal Rumble. I'm going to be at the Royal Rumble with, in Philly with my Philly brethren and brothers and sisters. I'll be there in Philadelphia. I'm coming. I'm making my way. Talk to you guys right. next week. Thank you for my time. That's and nice. I hope I hope you guys found what I had to say about punk enlightening. I totally enlightened. Thank you so much, Mike. We'll talk to you later. You got it, brother. And there you go. The wonderful world of Mike Ferrara is we, uh, you know, somehow we got on Animal and Piper, and there's a camp involved. Um, no, 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 no. Let's, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, not somehow we. Somehow he got on Animal and Rod. Okay? There's no we. You're not throwing us into this pig. We're the ones that try and stay on topic on a weekly basis. Okay? So, so don't throw me into this mix known as Mike Ferraro with him and his camp. You know? It's like, what you mean we, Kimosabi? Exactly. Um, well, you know, I mean, this week was an interesting show, and it was worth talking about. It was an interesting topic. Uh, and obviously, you know, we got less than four minutes left and uh you know well it's cool like you know raw was kind of uninteresting we went off in a different direction uh the punk thing uh definitely uh worth a conversation and then uh definitely a heated conversation you know some of our callers like anthony are definitely heated um with with these these last few minutes left dave uh quick sum up of, of tonight's show and your your closing thoughts on cm punk's big uh interview uh, as far as his interview goes, um, like I said earlier, overall, it came off very bitter, very angry, very cocky. Um, 
you know, he made it clear that it wasn't about, you know, some things that he referred to financially, so it wasn't about money, but clearly he was upset that he wasn't getting paid accordingly. Like I said, he, he contradicted himself in a lot of ways um, by his statements in his uh, shoot interview. Um, for for someone to say this isn't a, a fuck WWE interview, he certainly had no problem um, bringing out the negatives about his time in WWE. Not one positive thing to say about that company and what they did for him personally. Um, it was all about what they didn't do for him. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he got to tell his side of the story because I was, you know, as a wrestling fan, I was too curious, but I was curious to, to hear him finally speak. Um, and I believe that there's truth to, you know, a lot of what he had to say, but I think there's also truth to what other people involved in the situation, namely not CM Punk, have to say about it as well. And I don't think we'll get to hear all that. Um, we might hear a little bit from Vince on that on that podcast with Austin tonight, but um, I don't think we'll hear too much from him regarding the matter. I'd be shocked if he if he you know does a full on you know rebuttal and and shoot on CM Punk. Um, but I think he's going to want to you know talk about other things um, with Steve Austin on that podcast. So as far as that goes, um, and as far as CM Punk goes, the whole the whole situation. Um, you know, being mistreated with the medical issues. Like, I, I agree with a lot of points he had to make, but I disagree with the way that he handled it. And um, it was done so that he could feel comfortable in the environment that he was in with Colt Cabana. And it wasn't about not doing it for money. It was about being in control of the situation. So, overall, um, you know, it is what it is. And you never say never in wrestling, but by the way that he spoke in that in that podcast, I don't think we'll see him in WWE for a very long time. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I guess part of it, I mean, you know, I wasn't the biggest CM Punk fan. I recognize that he's a very talented uh, guy. Um, you know, I honestly found myself, you know, very disappointed in him in a sense that, like, I kind of, you know, you looked at him as kind of a, you know, bitter guy, maybe a jerk, um, but kind of an everyman, a guy, like, trying to fight against the system and, I, it was disappointing to me how much he did talk about the money. And uh, I don't know by the end not to look. I'll just say he, he kind of came off as a money-grubbing bitch. Um, that, you know, the, the the millions that I have right now aren't enough. And uh, I'm going to piss and moan about uh, the money I didn't make. And uh, I, I, I found it disappointing how much he talked about the money. And whenever you say, you know, I, that's the old saying, whenever you say it's not about the money, it's probably about the money. You callers, thank you so much. You guys brought it this week. Stay tuned. Check out the Facebook for our raw chat. For Dave, I am Ken. Thank you so much. Good night, everybody.